0: well good morning again so good to see all of you hope you're having a wonderful weekend glad you are here Uh, we are continuing our series uh, that we've been going through walking through for the past few weeks called the pursuit of rest and if you've been with us you know that for the past several weeks we've been talking about various ways that we can experience more of the kind of rest god desires for us and today we're going to talk about the role in the impact that technology has on our ability to do that. Now we know that you know, the Bible is written thousands of years ago, so it doesn't mention things like TVs and computers, tablets, cell phones, devices. And thus the goal for this morning is not to say Sabbath is good and technology is, is bad, but rather to simply highlight certain things for us to consider as we consider our relationship with technology and how it might affect us. Now when we talk about this idea of a Sabbath, which is a big proponent of, component of experiencing rest, which we've been talking about, right? practically speaking, we're, we're talking about the, the practice, the weekly practice of slowing down, pressing pause, calling time out, to step away from the busyness of our work and our activity, of the pressures, expectations, responsibilities, you know, maybe not all our responsibilities, but a lot of our responsibilities, in order to, to experience rest, in order to be in God's presence, in order to just delight in his provisions, uh, whether it's by ourselves or whether it's with others. And as challenging as that might be, and I know it, it's hard and we've mentioned that before, This is exactly what we see throughout Jesus' life and in Jesus' ministry throughout the Gospels. Jesus making it a habit to regularly slow down and to step away from the busyness for a variety of reasons. There are times that we see Jesus just getting away just to rest, to nap. Mark chapter 4, 35 to 38 says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. So we see Jesus just getting away, just so he could take an extended nap. Sometimes we see Jesus getting away with his disciples, his, his inner circle, his closest friends, uh, sometimes to rest, sometimes uh, perhaps to relax, enjoy time with one another, sometimes to be encouraged and to be inspired and strengthened by the Spirit and by the Father. Mark 3.7, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake. Mark 6.30-31, 30, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Mark chapter 9, 2 to 7. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led him up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were Talking with Jesus, Peter said to Jesus, "Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters: one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah." (Parentheses) He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Verse seven: Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud, "This is my Son, whom I love. Listen to him." Sometimes we see Jesus getting away, getting away, just to seek out guidance and direction. Right here in Luke 6, 12 to 13, Jesus getting away in order to select the final 12, to be his disciples, to be his apostles. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. There are times where we see Jesus getting away just to process life. At least one time we see him getting away to, to grieve, to mourn the, the loss of his cousin, John the Baptist. Matthew 14 to 13, 14, 13, says when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Now, sometimes Jesus got away to, to address certain obstacles and challenges that he was about to face. Early on in his ministry, before he actually started, Mark chapter 1, 12 to 13, It says that once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. So Jesus addressing some of these temptations that he he would face throughout his life, his ministry. And then at the tail end of his ministry, as Jesus is about to go to the cross, as he's considering whether there is a plan B in all of this, another way to fulfill this purpose mark 14 32 says they went to a place called gethsemane and jesus said to his disciples sit here while i pray he took peter james and john along with them and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled a lot of times we see jesus just getting away to spend quality time with the father mark 135 says very early in the morning while it was still dark jesus got up left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed Mark 6, 45-46, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. And then there are times where Jesus got away and we don't know why. Luke 4, 42 is an example. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place, period. Now, all this to say, Jesus made it a habit to consistently step away from the busyness at hand to to rest, to be with the Father, to delight in the Father's provisions, to enjoy time with His closest friends, His inner circle. Now, if anyone... Could have made the the argument that there was just too much to do with too little time. That the things on his plate were too important, too significant, too urgent, that there was just too much on the line, too much at stake to take time off, right? It would have been Jesus. I mean, he had countless people to heal. He had places to preach proclaim the good news or he had disciples to train equip he had a kingdom to build and he had three years to do it yet jesus never seemed to have a problem with with getting away and it wasn't like he waited for you know convenient times to get away like a lull in the healing industry you know a slow season a three-day weekend he didn't wait for his disciples to say hey boss i think this is a good time for you to take some pto i think we can Run the show here. Rather, a lot of times Jesus would step away in the midst of what would seem, at least from our perspective, at very bad times. Times when, when things seemed to be very pressing and very urgent and necessary and needed to be dealt with immediately. Right? If anyone could have just convinced themselves to just push through, burn both ends of the candle, work harder, work faster, work longer. It would have been Jesus. But he did, and he made it a regular habit, a consistent habit to step away, sometimes to rest, sometimes to just delight, sometimes to just be with a father. And thus, as we consider the invitation to receive this kind of rest, whether it be a 24-hour Sabbath, whether it be a few hours stretch on a single day, the question we need to, to ask ourselves, you know, as we've been kind of asking this whole series, is one, do we have the desire for this? Do we desire this kind of rest? And two, do we have the ability to experience this kind of rest in light of the technology of our day? Now, as I, as I said earlier, the goal here is not to say technology is, is bad. Right? There are a lot of things like electricity and plumbing, transportation, medicine, refrigeration, heating, AC that, you know, help me to rest well, and that I, that I appreciate, and we appreciate. The challenge for us, though, is to discern how technology is helpful and how it, it's not helpful. And that's the essence of wisdom to know how something can be used for good and to know how something can be used for bad. What builds up, what tears down, what gives life, what destroys, what is nourishing to our soul, what what weakens our soul. Now, on one hand, it's important that we, we know, you know, we kind of understand these things, we study these things from a broad perspective, like. What's good for society? What's good for humanity? What does science and medicine say about how technology over the past 20 years, 200 years, 2,000 years, how it affects children, how it affects adults? Like That's helpful, and there's a lot of studies done on it, and it's good to know in terms of how technology impacts us as a whole. But for the sake of today's sermon, I want us to consider how does technology affect us personally? How does it affect our lives individually? How is it helpful? How is it perhaps hurtful? how does it build us up how does it perhaps hinder us and harm us so one question is is how does it help us how does technology help us physically emotionally mentally intellectually relationally spiritually right we have verses like philippians chapter 4 8 and 9 where the apostle paul says finally brothers and sisters whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is right whatever is pure Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Well, what things in our life help us to set our minds on things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy? What are the things that help us experience and, and foster and produce what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit? Are things like love and joy and peace forbearance kindness goodness gentleness faithfulness self control right it's important that we identify these things how technology helps us one so that we can be grateful we can have a heart of gratitude which pastor brandon talked about last week but two so that it can help inform our our future decisions So no, I know for for just me as I'm thinking about how is technology helpful for me aside from kind of the basics like electricity and plumbing which you know I know are not basic for everyone around the world but you know for us and it's easy to take for granted but aside from those benefits that we experience from technology uh, some things that come to mind for me of how it is helpful are are things like um things like Netflix, Amazon Prime, Apple TV that uh, that enable me to watch shows that are encouraging, that are inspiring, life-giving, certain documentaries, certain historical biographical movies that make me feel grateful and hopeful, maybe faith-based movies that strengthen my faith. I think about things like Livestream, Zoom, FaceTime, the technology that enabled us to do church for over a year without gathering together in person to get together and do small group, have happy hours, do discipleship classes, the technology that allowed many of us to to work remote, technology that allows some of you who are watching from home to to join in from the safety and the comfort of your homes. I think about things like social media, like Instagram and, and Facebook that allow me to keep in touch with people that I would not be able to keep in touch with if it weren't for those apps I'm grateful for times when I you know can see a friend go through a a difficult time maybe even an acquaintance experience a loss and just be able to reach out encourage pray for them I'm grateful for times when I see old friends experience and achieve success happiness and just being able to rejoice with them and congratulate them and send them my my best wishes think about things like our, our computers and our tablets, and our cell phones that, right, I mean, virtually, literally allow us to basically watch anything, listen to anything, learn anything, buy anything, read anything, talk to anyone from the convenience of wherever, whenever, however. I think about things like GoFundMe, right, that bring together people who are in dire need with complete strangers who are eager to give, bringing them together, connecting them. And it's, it's amazing, it's beautiful to see what can happen. I think about apps, right, like messages and Telegram and WhatsApp and Kakao that enable us to communicate with people just all over the world. I love that I can send text messages with my kids. I remember how surreal it was the first time I got a text from one of my, my children. I love that they can tell me where they are, when they need to be picked up, where they need to be picked up, what they're doing, where they're going, at any time. And to have no excuse when I text them. Right? It's so much better than when when I was a kid. Remember having to try to find a pay phone? Not having any coins? Having to make that collect call so that my parents would hear, you have a collect call from, pick me up! (laughs) It's so much better, right, today, the technology that we, we have. I think think about things like Google Translate in combination with something like WhatsApp that allow us to communicate with people all over the world even though they can't speak our language and we can't speak their language. You know, I've shared before how there's a handful of us at this church that I've been working with a Syrian refugee family living out in Anaheim. And, um, you know, there are times when I'm out mountain biking and riding my bike, when I will get a text message in Arabic on WhatsApp I'll use Google Translate to interpret it, see that he's ready to get picked up at his doctor's appointment for his ride home. I can then call an automated machine computer that will then dispatch a driver to the doctor's appointment and drive him home all while I'm riding my bike. Right? That's some of the beauty right, of the technology that we have today that is very helpful. And I know that I'm just scratching the surface in terms of, of how it benefits me, and I'm sure you can all think of ways of how today today's technology is helpful for you. And at the same time, we can probably all think of ways in which technology is not helpful. In ways that it may actually hinder us and hurt us and perhaps even and weaken us, discourage us. Right for me, I can think of countless of stuff on Netflix and Amazon and Apple TV that just that aren't helpful. Right, that aren't encouraging and life-giving, that do not Build me up, strengthen my faith or hope. There's a lot of things on social media, right? That just make me feel insecure, overwhelmed, frustrated, irritated, annoyed. I know there are times when I can get emails and texts at the most inopportune times, in which it can just immediately ruin my day, right? I can it be, I can be happy and joyful at a given moment get a text and just be immediately stressed out worried frustrated and then there's just plenty of ways where i can waste time and energy and and money because of technology and thus as we consider how technology is helpful and how it is perhaps not helpful how it may be hurtful or harmful, the the obvious challenge then is to use technology in a way that helps us and to not use it in ways that don't help us to maximize its benefits and to minimize the consequences. 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So for, for, for me uh, having to, to discern and choose what is helpful some of that is intel just discerning what to watch and, and what not to watch what things to read what not to read what to look at what not to look at what to listen to what what not to listen to you know this past summer when i i went to the middle east and, and i and i think i shared this before uh, the first day that we arrived uh, we were sent out into a marketplace and it was busy it was packed and And we were given the the challenge, kind of a homework, a scavenger hunt, to to try and meet as many people as we possibly could. To get their names, their age, and where they were from, all with the the limited Arabic that we were taught that day for like an hour. And when we went out to the marketplace, it was packed and it was filled with mostly men. Uh, Because in that culture, a lot of the women stay home, and the men are the ones that go out and they hang out with friends and relax and kick back. So as we were were walking around, I could feel just how intimidated and scared I was walking around uh, trying to to meet these people. And I remember thinking this to myself, and I'm not proud of it, I'm embarrassed to, to share this, but I remember thinking how every one of these guys who was looking at me, they reminded me of some villain, some bad guy that I had seen in a movie or a show. And how everyone seemed angry and mad and upset. And obviously over the course of those two weeks, God convicted me and really began to change my perception on, on those people. So when I returned back home, I remember making it a point, thinking to myself that I no longer want to watch any shows that portray Middle Eastern people in a negative light, that have them as the bad guy or, or the villain. Now, if something is, you know, historical, fact-based, documentary, I mean, that's a different story. But I don't want to watch anything unnecessarily that's going to put them or portray them in a negative light. Rather, I want to watch things intentionally that are going to increase my heart, increase my compassion for them and for their people. So part of it is just deciding what I'm going to watch and what I'm not going to watch. Part of this has also been for me to you know, go through things like Instagram and Facebook at times and just decide who I want to follow and who I don't want to follow. Right? What I want to see and what I, I don't want to see and just go through and unfollow, 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 deciding what's helpful and what's not helpful. Some of this has been just going through contact lists when it comes to emails or text messages and just deciding like, who needs to have 24-7 access to me? Where if, if they need to reach me for whatever reason, I wanna be able to know and hear. And who, you know, who doesn't need to have 24-7 access? And just deciding and adjusting accordingly on my phone, on my devices. Right? Some of this has just been deciding, like when I wanna watch TV and when I don't wanna watch TV when I want to have my phone nearby and when I just need to like hide it in a different room and keep it away from me. To be able to use technology in ways that, that's helpful and to not use it in ways that, that's not helpful. So now when we, we think about this idea of a Sabbath then, of either a 24-hour period, like we mentioned, or like we said, if you can't do 24 hours, just you know, a few-hour stretch, or whatever it is to you, when it, when it comes to experiencing a Sabbath, the challenge remains the same. How do we use technology to help us experience what we want to experience? Right? And how do we not use it in ways that prevent us or hinder us from experiencing what we want us to experience? So what is our goal when we we Sabbath? And how does technology help us to accomplish that goal? So if our goal is to rest, then how does technology help us to rest? How does it hinder us from resting? If our goal is to just delight in God's provision, to be out in his creation, to do something we enjoy doing, to spend time with family and friends, well, how does technology help us to do that? And how does it hinder us from doing that? If our goal of a Sabbath is just to be fully present with God, right, to just be in his presence, to hear from him, to experience him, receive him, well, how does technology help us to do that, and how might it hinder us from doing that? Now, just to be clear, there are plenty of ways that technology can help us experience a, a good Sabbath. Right? Maybe it's listening to, to relaxing, soothing music or sounds that enable us to take a nap. Maybe it's listening to, to worship music and praise songs that just prepare our hearts to be in God's presence and to be with him. Maybe it's using things like Zoom and FaceTime to just spend time with family members and friends who who live far away. Maybe it's watching shows, learning something new, reading something that just nourishes our soul, refreshes us and and restores us. Maybe it's playing a game that we, we just enjoy, that just we delight in, refreshes us. Right, there's a lot of ways that technology can help us have a, a good Sabbath. And there are ways that technology can prevent us from experiencing a Sabbath. A lot of ways technology can prevent us from resting. A lot of ways it can distract us from delighting, whether in creation, whether with people, whether with God himself. A lot of things we can watch and read and listen to that... that don't nourish our souls, that don't refresh us or restore us. What is our goal when we Sabbath and how does technology help us? I remember early on when I was, you know, learning this stuff and trying to put it into practice, like my ideal Sabbath was going out and getting as much junk food as I possibly could eat in one day, plopping on my couch and just watching like three movies in a row. Right now, I'm not going to lie, like in that moment, it was relaxing. I delighted. But it took me like two days to recover from that Sabbath. And eventually, I began to kind of recognize that, you know, maybe this wasn't the best use of technology, of like food processing and Netflix and Amazon. So I had to adjust accordingly. I remember, uh, this is a long time ago, I remember being at a restaurant. I don't remember who I was with or, or when it was, but I remember being at a restaurant. And I remember seeing an, an older Asian couple uh, sitting off to the side uh, sharing a meal together. And I, pres- I assumed that they were a married couple, but I, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but during this meal, the, the husband you know, proceeded to just open up the newspaper and he's just reading the paper as, you know, they're, they're sharing this meal together. And across from him is, is his wife, and she's just eating, and she's like putting food on his plate to, to, to remind him to eat. Now, if the goal of that meal, right? Think about it. If the goal of that meal was for the husband to, to read something inspiring, to learn something new to catch up on news and if the goal for the, the wife was to enjoy a meal by herself in <laughs> peace and quiet without the, the nagging of her husband then one could argue that that was a very good use of technology right the, the printed paper but if if the goal was for them to spend quality time together to just enjoy each other's company, to engage in conversation, then, then one could argue that that's not a good use of technology. And I know it's, you know, it's not uncommon today for us to, to go to a restaurant, right? to go anywhere and to see people together and just scrolling through the phones, Right, but before we judge, we gotta ask like, well, what's the goal, right? The goal is to play Pokemon. And then one could argue that's a good use of technology. But the goal is to spend time together. To be with each other, to delight in one another, then you know where I'm going with this. are there ways that technology helps us to Sabbath? Are there ways that it hinders us from Sabbathing? You know, are there times where we need to be more intentional? with what we watch and what we listen to and what we see and and what we do? Are there times where it may be most helpful to just unplug and disconnect and just get away, turn off our TVs, turn off our phones, and just rest or delight or whatever it might be? See, what do we, we want to experience when we Sabbath? And how does... Our technology, our devices, our TVs, our computers—how does it help us, and how does it hurt us? You know, as we close our time this morning, you know, as we we just reflect upon how God may be, be speaking to us. You know, two things come to mind in terms of what we can ask for and what we can pray for. You know, I think for some of us, and this is completely okay. Perhaps the the request for us is still the the, the the request of God, help me to to believe. Help me to trust that to rest and to Sabbath, that it's actually really good for me. That it's beneficial, that it's needed, that it's life-giving, that my life and the lives of those around me will be better if I receive this gift that you invite me to receive. And perhaps for others of us, the the, the request is, God, help me to discern. Help me to discern what is helpful and what is not helpful. And give me the ability to, to choose, to decide, to commit to doing what helps me the most, what is beneficial, what enables me to experience what you want me to experience when it comes to a Sabbath, and when it comes to rest. Will you pray with me?